What up, what up, Meepsters? This is Ryan Rainbro, and if you're hearing this, that means you're about to listen to one of the 99 free episodes of the Meep Meep podcast available wherever you cast pods. But keep in mind that there are new and unreleased episodes of the show on patreon.com slash meetmeetpod. So you'll want to sign up there to hear future episodes and also other side projects like Choo Choo, the show about soundtracks and contribute suggestions for future episodes as well. Will I listen to your suggestion? <laughs> There's only one way to find out. Patreon.com slash meetmeetpod. Bye! Welcome to Meet Meet, the Roadrunner podcast, where we go through the albums of Roadrunner Records with the artists who made them and the musicians they influenced. Let's roll. What up, what up, Meepsters? I'm Ryan Rainbow, and welcome to a special edition of the Meet Meet podcast. Today, you are going to bear witness with your ears to a live in-person interview, recording, conversation with myself and Marshall Dutton, currently of the band Hinder, but once upon a time was signed to Roadrunner Records with his band Faction with a K. We talk about forming that band, the band before that that he was in, Carb with a C, not a K. And working with producer Brett Hesla of the band Dark New Day, he was who produced the Faction record after they were signed by Ron Berman, who also signed previous guests Theory of a Dead Man and hopefully future guests Nickelback. Faction and Marshall are from Denton, Texas, and this album came out in 2006, which makes this the 15th anniversary of Roadrunner releasing that self-titled debut. So Riffmaster Meepster Marshall Dutton from that band has now gone on to front platinum-selling powerhouse Hinder who I first saw with 18 Visions in 2006. And that will be important very soon in the future on the Meet Me podcast. But I headed out to the Hinder show, the MILF Central, all right, and had a face-to-face with old MD. So prepare to hear a bunch of doors slam because there's no quiet entrances in rock and roll. But you'll feel like you are there with us. And really, when you think about it, you are. So Faction existed first as you being the vocalist, right? Yes. And so when did you first incorporate bringing somebody else into the band to kind of complete that lineup? Well, we were, yeah, so we were, uh, I think we started around 2002, 2003, and uh, we, we kind of had developed a following, and it was just me singing uh, at the time, and the like we started writing more and more complex songs. I started writing more complicated guitar parts. And then we started looking at management and, you know, they were really pressuring us. Like we think you need a front man, you know, an actual guy. And, uh, you know, we debated on it because I was kind of like over front men after being in car and just dealing with one, you know? So I thought I'll just do this myself. But after a while, you know, and like, uh, playing with my band, we just, we kind of got to the point where we were like, man, we've, we were feeling limited because um, at that point in time, none of the other guys in faction really sang harmonies and stuff yet. They, they eventually developed that, but uh, we, we were just kind of feeling like we needed another singer. And, you know, that, and, and, and 
we decided that it would be good because like then I could focus on playing more intricate guitar parts uh, without having to you know cover all the vocals as well so I think about 2004 maybe 2003 is when we decided to uh, have Ryan in and Ryan had come from the same hometown as Jeremy our drummer so they kind of already knew each other and they they Actually, those guys and then Josh Franklin and uh, Jeremy Cohen had already played in another band in Dallas together before they even met me. So it was just kind of a natural thing. You know, everyone was already comfortable with Ryan. I already knew him as well because we partied a bunch in Denton together. And so uh, and he just kind of he was in another band at the time and he just we were we were drinking one night and he was like, man, I just want to I want to be in faction. Like, What do we got to do? You know, <laughs> and I was like, well fuck it let's do it then i mean what do we have to lose you know we were still a baby band like and uh then after we did get run it it really kind of helped rocket things even more so you know we just our our popularity grew and so management was already kind of pressuring you to get a front man and simultaneously ryan was like i want to be a part of this exactly oh that's pretty cool so it just it just kind of worked out and you know it, it everyone ended up being happy with that kind of well, yeah, so let's Tarantino this a little bit, though, because you mentioned being in Carb. So before Faction, you were in a band called Carb, also from Denton, mm-hmm. Texas. And did that did those relationships lead to Faction existing? or? Um, yeah, well, um, actually, yes, they did, because uh, when I was in Carb, um, I knew a girl from my hometown uh, that had gone to a different school. She went to Lubbock, and she met Jeremy Moore there, which was the drummer of Faction. Uh, but she was always coming up to Denton and like hanging out and she would always go tell Jeremy like, oh, you got to see Marshall play. You know, he's in this band called Carb. And uh, so Jeremy and, and, and Caroline was her name, uh, ended up moving to Denton because he was hoping like he was like, I want to get the drummer gig for Carb, you know, like and by that point in time, I was kind of already, you know, Carb was in decline and I was already thinking about my next project, and I was like, "Well, never mind that. Why don't we just put together a new band and you know see what happens?" And and so, uh, in a way, I guess Carb kind of led me into that relationship. But those people were not people I met in all the faction guys were not people that I met in the actual music scene in Dallas. But it is kind of because of Carb that I met them, you know, in, in a way, I guess, if you want to think about it that way. And faction to some extent already existed even before you came in. No. Oh, you you yeah. started faction. Started it. Yeah, actually, it was Jeremy and I first. Jeremy, and then uh, he knew Josh, and so Josh started playing guitar. And then we tried several different bass players, and actually ended up having Jeremy come in. Like I said, the other Jeremy, Jeremy Cohen, which we called him Brink, by the way. Brink, like yeah. the Disney Channel original movie? Brink, exactly. He was a soul skater? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> they, they already had that nickname for him. I can't, I can't even remember really where it came from. I think I think that was his email address or something, so everybody just called him Brink. Okay. Because you know, there was two Jeremys, so. That makes sense. you got to give one a nickname. Exactly. Anybody that has watched any season of Big Brother, when there's more than one person with the same name, one of them gets a nickname? Exactly. Uh, you know, speaking of that, you know, it's really funny about that, speaking of, uh, of Hinder, so... Our, our merch guy right now, uh, his name is Cody, but we already have a Cody, so he became number two, and then that naturally progressed to Poop. So now everyone calls him Poop, and he embraced 
he totally embraced it. He he got a tattoo of a poop emoji, oh, and man. he introduces himself as poop now, and so it's just it's just funny. <laughs> so how did you come up with the name Faction? Faction, I know that you can't see us saying this, but Faction is spelled with a K. It's F-A-K-T-I-O-N. Now, in retrospect, it's actually not a bad idea, because when you're Googling the word Faction, you know, with the K, you're going to find your band. But uh, what was that name coming from? Well, uh, we... Uh, we were kind of slowly putting faction together, and so we we had played together for a while before we even had a name because we just kept tossing around names and nothing stuck. But we weren't we weren't playing a bunch of shows yet or anything, so it wasn't really super important. Well, the management we ended up signing with before, before we signed with them um, was the same management company that was managing the band Submersed, which was a wind up band. Uh, which ironically is uh, the singer that band Donald uh, is first cousins with Jeremy Cohen from Faction. So that's kind of how we got that connection there. But they were coming through town and they're like, hey, you guys want to open the show? And we were like, hell yeah, but we don't have a name yet. <laughs> and so we threw out all these names and we were throwing them back and forth to, to the management. This guy named uh, Seth. Uh, who's unfortunately passed away now, but uh, he died of cancer, I guess, like last year. But anyway, he was our manager. He became our manager. Uh, Seth Luker was his name. And also, just remembered, he, the bass player of Submersed was his brother. So it was all kind of family is how we got to it. So anyway, we're trying to come up with a name because we've got like a week to prepare for the show. They just offered it to us. We don't want to miss the opportunity, you know open for another label band could be good for us so we're like throwing out all these names and uh seth i just remember him being like nope 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 and he was like faction i like that he was like well let's spell it with a k okay and we were like okay sure whatever you want us to do you know and then we were like and it's actually kind of a cool name because we are like a faction kind of like a family you know which is what led us this was our our logo which actually means house like you're your house of people. So, uh, well, as a big wrestling fan, faction is like, you know, your crew yeah. anyway, you're stable. Yeah, so you're... I'm, I'm into that. Mm-hmm. So you being the original singer, did any of the songs that you sang on end up on the, the record? Yeah, pretty well. Most of them actually, I mean, we, you know, just like every band, we had throwaway songs that didn't make it, but, uh, there's at least like four or five on the first record that were, you know, that I had sang before, mm-hmm. like "Letting You Go," I think we had, and uh, maybe "Control." I can't remember. I know "Forgive Me." We were already playing. So, how did Roadrunner become aware of the bands? Just through all these shows you're playing locally with, like signed bands, like Submerged. Um, just yeah, they well. Uh, so after we we started playing shows and we started gaining a following in Dallas. Uh, uh, submersed management took us on Seth Luker and this guy named Jimmy and he had some connections with a bunch of different labels and so uh, they started shopping us to like a bunch of different labels and Roadrunner was the first one to show interest Ron Berman was and so and I think it was like 2004 we went out and did a showcase at uh CBGB's in New York. <laughs> New York, that's crazy. That's crazy. and it sucked, man. We so we drove all the way there. We pulled a trailer of our gear, 
from they're Texas. Like, yeah, from Texas in it in an extended cab Dodge for this one show. Up. For this one show, we're like, we got to make it. They told us to bring all our gear. We got there. They're like, you can't use your gear. It's house gear. And we're like, what? And and they're like, we called the hotel. And we're like, are we going to be able to be able to park this, you know, truck and this trailer? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah. We get there. They're like, no, there's no parking. Had to pay like two hundred dollars a night, like eighty blocks away, to park that thing. So I mean, it was obvious. Everyone was kind of like, you know, nerves rattled. But anyway, we we played the show under these really crummy circumstances, and Ron was there. And after the show, he was like, "Man, I, you know, I I love your your CD, man, but you guys suck." <laughs> I mean, he just straight up told me that to my face. He's like, "You guys are terrible." He's like, "You got to work on your image." You got to tighten up your band. Like, you basically don't have your shit together. So he's like, "Why don't you work on all that, and we'll we'll talk again in like six months or something?" So we kind of you know went home with our tail between our legs, like blew that one, you know. And uh, did he have notes for what he wanted you to work on with your image? I mean, he kind of did, yeah, but it wasn't like you know, it was kind of things like. You don't wear a baseball cap, you know, do something cool with your hair, you know, you lose some weight, like, you know, you just dress better generally, you know, just kind of those kind of, just things, I mean, it, it was harsh, you know, to hear, you're like, okay, we, we're, we look like shit. But at the same time, are you aware at the time that, you know, he signed Nickelback and all these huge successes? Oh, we were, yeah. Okay. That's kind of, we, we were kind of crushed, you know, to hear that. But we're like, okay, so we did that, though, you know, we went home, we worked on our stuff, we practiced a lot. We got tighter, and uh, and then it, it was actually not. I think it was like six months later. He he called Jimmy back. Ron did, and he was like, "You know, I got all this shit on my desk. Keep coming back to Faction. How is this band doing? You know?" And Jimmy was like, "Oh, they're doing great." Because at that time we had we had built a really big Dallas following, so we we're having these killer shows at you know some some of the iconic clubs and you know in uh, Deep Ellum like. Curtain Club, you know, we'd pack out that place, pack out trees, you know, just, it was, uh, we were we were hot at that time. And so Jimmy convinced uh, Ron Berman and, I guess, Jonas, I think it was Monty and Jonas and uh, Ron decided to come down. And they came, Jimmy talked them into coming and see us at the Curtain Club, which was where our home crowd was. He's like, you need to see this, what this band is in like, their own environment in their environment yeah. with their fans and what they're like capable of and they did and uh no actually they didn't what ended up happening I remember Jimmy uh Jimmy hit me up a week before they were supposed to come he's like man I got bad news guys like they can't make the show and we were we were bummed out we were like oh man whatever he's like it's fine though dude we're gonna get a good video of it uh it's going to work. You know, just trust me. Don't, don't be upset, man. Just do your best. Make sure we video it. And, uh, I remember the next day after that show, we, we had a killer show. We videoed it. We spent, we spent all this money getting, you know, kind of multiple camera angles and we were, you know, kind of really clean it up and, and make it good and hope to get in this record deal. And Jimmy called me the next morning. He was like, Hey man, did you get a video? It's really important, man. Like, how do you think the video turned out? I was like, man, I think it's going to be fine. I don't know, I guess. And he's like, you know what? Fuck that fucking video. You don't need a video. He's like, they already fucking signed you this morning, man. All you got to do is sign the papers. Like, and I was like, what? 
So like they he kind of just did that to motivate us, I think. You uh-huh. know, I don't I don't know what that whole thing was, but they just went ahead and pulled the trigger. Sounds like some sociopathic. Yes. <laughs> and so I was like, "What? Are you fucking kidding me?" So we went out that that next morning after that show and celebrated and that was when we got signed. Wow, that's really cool. Now that was like I mean, it's kind of cool. It's also yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> it, it was terrifying, yes. And but it was cool, you know, we made it, we got we got a deal, you know, we were kind of the talk of the the DFW area, you know, and so it was They were really, like, yo, Deep Blue something is out. Yeah. It's faction now. Exactly, you know. So it was super cool right there. But that so now that was like I think in the fall maybe of two thousand four. So then, you know, we had done a bunch of demo work with Brett Hessler. Um, we recorded uh, two, the, the Make a Dent EP was first, and then we did the three song that had Take It All Away, Control, and Distance on it. Uh, and those were just demos we had got there to Orlando. And we loved Brett. You know, Brett was just, he's a super talented person. He's so much fun to work with. I'm mean, just in, all around inspiring and so much fun, too. He just, you know, I got nothing but love for that dude. And so we, when when we got the deal, they they asked us where we wanted to record, and we were like, Brett, let's go to Brett, you know, because we we already have a good relationship, we love it, and uh, and they agreed to to let us do that. And so, I think we recorded the record in December. I'm sorry, in January and February of 2005, and then. Didn't get released till the following year in March of 2006, I bet. So we had the record done for an entire year before it actually got released. And was there a certain strategy behind the delay? Were they waiting for something special to happen? I think so. I mean, I, c- I can't remember exactly. Maybe they were waiting for particular timing or mainly just hoping that we would get cooler. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I don't know, dude. Because we did have... Uh, you know, they gave us like press training, and they they took us to New York and had us do a full makeover. Like, changed my haircut. I cut my long hair off. They talked me into making my hair short and black, and it was just a whole makeover kind okay. of thing that we did. And I'm sure that had some to do with it. And then we, you know, we ended up shooting a video for uh, Take It All Away. But you know, that wasn't until like January of 2006. Now, when they're giving you this makeover, are you resistant to it? Or you're like, yo, whatever we need to do to blow? Cause- whatever, dude. Okay. I mean, some of the other guys might have been a little resistant to some ideas. But me, I'm just kind of like, whatever, dude. What do you want me to do? Right. I just want to play in a rock band, you know? <laughs> well, that's what I would think. That's what I think. But I, and I, but I also understand the other side of it, being like, hey, you know, I can't got into a rock band to play the music I love or whatever. And don't tell me to cut my hair. But for me, I'd be like, all right. Black hair, let's go. Yeah, dude. You know, I th- I'm like, hey, this is cool, man. Like, maybe I'll look cooler, man. Maybe chicks will dig it more, too, you know? It's like... <laughs> well, I'm sure that's what they want, too. They want you to be... Yeah, they want attractive. you to be fuckable and, you know... <laughs> On the way here, I was behind this truck the whole time that said Milf Mobile, and I was like, yeah. that lady's going to the Hendrix show. I'll just follow her all the way. Totally, dude. <laughs> and that's our crowd now. It's Milfs, you know? It's like, uh, it's like uh, you know, women that are, like... Probably around our age, you know. What was the making of the artwork for the album like? Was that anything you had input in, or they kind of already had it ready made? Um, you know, they had a whole team of people, and they just threw us a bunch of ideas, and we just kind of yes and no, yes and no stuff. Uh, to to my recollection, anyway, you know, I mean, 
there's a lot of stuff that's just gone from those years. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, just a lot of drinking. <laughs> was there ever a consideration for a different title other than just being self-titled? Um, I think there was a couple times. Uh, none, none that I can recall now, but uh, I think in the end we just decided to go with you know self-titled just because it's just it seemed sleek and easy and to the point. I guess I don't know. Sure. Well, I mean, I'm sure we might have like toyed around with the idea of like naming it after one of the songs on there maybe like letting you go or something or control I, I can't remember but sometimes that seems cheesy you know naming it after a song yeah yeah self-titled for a first record you know when you do self-titled it either needs to be the first one because it's like hey this is who we are it's an introduction or like down the road you're like this is who we are this is yeah. who we've become right. this is now faction um, you know I know that you're of course the singer for Hinder now but the the riffs, I mean, you're a sick guitar player. There's a lot of crazy leads on this album, especially, it's almost like jarring sometimes. Do you remember when Orianti put out her pop record? You know, I, I, I don't have a lot of experience with that record, but I do remember when she came out. And it was... So she had this song called According to You. It's like this super catchy pop song. And she's like singing this chorus. And then all of a sudden she's shredding for like a minute and a half. That's what some of these songs are like. You guys are like just, you know, kind of rocking out. And then you like, will just come in with a sleep or something and solo for yeah, dude. like a minute. And that's, totally. It's cool well, though. You know, I mean, at that time before I put Faxing together, I was like really, I was, I was a guitar nerd growing up. You know, I got into playing guitar. And I was like into Nuno Betancourt and Sean Lane and like John Petrucci and stuff. You know, just those guitar players are ridiculous. So that, I mean, that's always kind of been in my blood to like do solos and flashy solos. It's kind of one of my things. So like, I actually had to hold back a little bit in faction from, you know, I remember Brett being like, Oh, you know, it's getting cool to be, do solos again, but like maybe we'll just not get too crazy with it, you know, (laughs) but then I'll say that. And then he, you know, he encouraged me on that ridiculous tap solo I did on uh, 6 o'clock, I think it was. And, uh, we triple tracked that. He's like, let's triple track it. <laughs> so I played it, doubled it, and then doubled it again. So there's actually three of me playing it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was... Is it just like with different guitar settings or what? Like what's the... Yeah, a different tone. Well, just to fatten it up. You oh. know, he was like, you're good, dude. You could you could double that. So you just nailed it three times? All yeah. The I mean, it, it, I, I didn't do it like right back in a row, oh. but... I. He, uh, he was like, since you have the ability to like double and triple your stuff, let's just do it and make it sound huge. So, Do you do any guitar writing now in Hinder since you have that, that skill? Oh, yeah, yeah. Man, I, I wrote all over like the last, well, starting with All American Nightmare. Uh, welcome to Welcome to Freak Show. When the smoke clears and the rain, you know, all those have my guitar, you know, kind of ideas all over it. And uh, well, good, good, because that would be a waste. I feel like to have yeah. that talent, you don't get to. I know that again. You know, you being yeah. the vocalist, but that doesn't mean you can't contribute. Absolutely, like, no. I mean, I, I love it. You know, that's it's kind of my forte. 
it's actually kind of funny that I'm the, you know, I ended up being the singer of, of Hinder, <laughs> considering that uh, I really consider myself a guitar player, you know, right, first right. and foremost, you know, so it's easy, you know, when people bitch about singers, I'm like, well, you're not talking about me because I'm a guitar player, <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> there's no Lee SD over here, right. you know, LSD, sorry. Lead singer syndrome? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, the album is kind of split half and half, almost like every other song, really, between like the heavier, more hard-rocking songs and the more, I don't want to say ballady, but I mean, certainly there is a couple ballads on here. Was that a deliberate concept to kind of split it down the middle, and were there people in the band that wanted to go one way or the other more? Um, I think a lot of the, I think we're all like suckers for a good ballad. We, we were like, we're not going to like shy away from doing that, if that's what you're talking about, like... Uh, yeah, I'm just saying, you know, we, some songs are clearly more, um, you know, slower and softer, mm-hmm. even if they have those leads in them. And yeah. other ones are like, you know, even like Take It All Away has like those dissonant chords, you know, they're yeah. a little bit more aggressive. So I didn't know if there was a conscious thing to show both sides of that or if somebody in the band might have been like, why don't we just do all ballads or why don't we just do all, you know, killer rock No, songs? it was kind of, I mean, like Ryan and I write so well together and we... Uh, I mean, we're, we everyone was constantly coming up with melodic guitar parts, so you know it just kind of happens that we write a bunch of like kind of ballady, more melodic stuff. But uh, there was also, you know, Josh was always like, you know, he was really into like heavy riffs and stuff like that. So he would come up with these like, sick ass riffs, like uh, like Better Today. That kind of stuff, you know, where it's heavier and. Uh, Jeremy was really into heavy music, so he really, you know, wanted to do some stuff that slams. Um, so I would say those two guys were probably more the heavier guys, you know. Whereas I feel like Ryan was like, "Oh, I got to scream on a song," you know, like kind of that. You know, he's he was he was more of a singer. Well, that's interesting because that was a question I was going to have for you too. Because on those demos, like for example, the earlier version of "Take It All Away." It seems like he is more of a screamer. Like maybe that's what he wanted mm-hmm. to do, but he was the opposite. He wanted to sing more than he wanted to. Sing. Yeah, yeah. I think especially after he got into it and realized like how hard it can be on your voice trying to do that live yeah. every night. You know, he was kind of more. Let's keep you know, and and as our writing <laughs> progressed and all the stuff we had, we had almost like, man, we had a whole slew of songs for a second record. I mean, we pretty much already had a second record when we broke up, and. A lot of that stuff was trending in a much more melodic rock kind of direction, you know. I'm just trying to think of some of the songs. Yeah, there was, a lot, there was a lot of ballads, kind of a lot of like piano rock songs and stuff like that that we were kind of branching into. Now with Brett Hesla of Dark New Day fame, if those of you listening don't know who we're talking about, since he's such a talented vocalist, did he work a lot with Ryan on getting those vocal tracks down? Seems like that's something he'd really like zone in on. Yeah, man, he was great with both of us, man. He really, uh, he really inspired me as well too. Just he he pushed us both vocally, you know, because I sang all over the, I did all the harmonies and stuff on that record. Sure. So I did a whole lot of singing. Uh, that's actually one of the things I'm. I was always really proud of about that record is I, I thought the vocals sounded really good and big and tight. Of course, Chris Lord Algae mixed it too. And oh, he, yeah. You know, I mean, he made that shit sound, sound great. But uh, yeah, Brett was so easy to work with, man. He made things easier, you know, when you get scared in the studio or you get intimidated. He's just... He just kind of has this ability to like be like, hey, it's not so serious. Who cares, man? Kind of stuff like that. He just makes you feel good about yourself and, you know, he really knows how to get the best out of out of people and and 
And also the most important thing is he knows how to convince everyone to have fun in the studio and not take themselves so seriously. So, I mean, he's just kind of a magical dude to work with. He, he knows what he's doing. You can tell he's had like a, a ton of experience. So he, he actually, you know, after working with him, he inspired me uh, to get into producing. You know, I started producing. That's kind of what led me into the whole Hinder thing was I, I was like, I want, I want to, I want to do what you do, you know. Like, how do I be that cool, you know? <laughs> so, well, I'm sure too. You're with you having worked with them before the record. You guys were already like friends, right? More than just yeah, uh, working absolutely. together. So I'm sure that it gives it a, a sense of familiarity. And also, if he did need to be tough on you, it's not some stranger doing it. It's like, oh, my friend wants me to have the best record yeah, possible, right? Absolutely. Were there moments on here where he had to really push anybody? Um. Yeah, there was there was a couple moments. Uh, I remember Ryan getting particularly frustrated singing, and and you know he he took a little bit of prodding on some things, but you know for the most part though everything was smooth sailing. We you know we kind of everyone knew their parts. We didn't really have to really fix a lot of things. I guess you know there was some things where Brett was like, "We got to do this differently," or "This song needs a bridge," but you know most of it was. It was pretty there, and we had already rehearsed a lot of it, you know, well. So it was just a matter of having fun and tracking it and just getting getting good takes. And, you know, Brett's, he's a master at that. So you guys were well-prepared coming in? There was no... Yeah. Uh, okay, that's cool. There's no learning curve or anything. Um, Distance has what sounds like a string arrangement on it. Did you guys have real strings come in, or were those all synthesized? Uh, I'd be willing to say that it, it's just programmed strings, Okay, you know. You don't remember a symphony orchestra coming in? No, no, certainly not. If (laughs) if we did that, it was like after the fact. Okay. And we weren't there, you know, so. We'll be back after a quick break. If you love good music and good podcasts, you'll love Roots Music Rambler. I'm Jason Falls. My co-host Francesca Folinazzo and I talk to the singers, songwriters, musicians, and more in Americana, alt-country, bluegrass, folk, blues, and beyond. We share our own takes on the latest news in the space and recommend new music for you to explore every episode. Come get to the roots of the music you love. Find us at RootsMusicRambler.com or go wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Roots Music Rambler. So Take It All Away is the single that you mentioned you guys did a video for. Is there a reason why that song was selected versus any label other? liked it? We were we were all like out, they were like, What do you what do you guys want to go with for a for a single? And we're like, We're thinking like control or letting you go, and they're like, Cool, take it all the way it is. <laughs> and we were like, that's because to us, like take it all away was one of our most generic songs. Hmm. Like it didn't really mean a whole lot you know I mean it was kind of one of those songs where it was inspired by Brink actually you know he just we came in a, came in a rehearsal one day and he was playing that you know the bass part yeah it's really catchy bass part and I just started doing that you know just I'm like the cheesiest riff ever and then doing the you know the unison bends on it and I'm like this is so cheesy like and Ryan just walked in. He's like, "That's cool," and he just sang some words and take it all away, take it all away. And it was literally one of those songs that wrote itself. And I don't know, it, it was probably thirty minutes or less that we put that song together, and we had it structured out and everything. See, I love that song. I just 
listening to the record, yeah, um, Control would have been what I would think when I'm listening to it. I'm like, yeah. oh, this is the single? Exactly. That's what we thought. Yeah. Because you even got those, like, Sweet Child of Mine leads mm-hmm. going over Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, but Take It All Away is sick. I mean, for me, between those dissonant chords and there's, like, double bass at the end, it sounds mm-hmm. like. Or maybe it's just a quick single yeah. kick. But, you know, it's pretty heavy with having that, you know, catchy rock vibe to it. So I do love that song a lot. So no, no disrespect to Take It All Away. And the CD single for Take It All Away had you guys having people impersonate famous people at the time hyping up the single. Do you remember this? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. So the CD single is like a, a uh, Condoleezza Rice impersonator, which is a very dated <laughs> political Oh my gosh, yeah, so, so, so dated. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, that makes sense. Elvis Presley, he rose up from the grave to let us know that... That's amazing. You've dude. never heard this before? No, I've never heard it. Oh, so it was man. just on the, the single disc that they sent out for radio? Yes. Oh my God, that's amazing. Hello, this is the governor, and you're listening to Faction on the best station around. So pay attention, or I'll break off your arm. The governator. Oh my God, <laughs> that's amazing. You know, that's really funny because Josh, Josh Franklin, the guitar player, uh, he was always doing the, the Arnold voice, you know, like he was like he was good at it, you know. So it's probably him. It, it could be him. But I, I was just like, wow, Condoleezza Rice. Remember when she was an SNL cold open? Yeah, <laughs> like, I know, right? That's like that seems like a different lifetime. <laughs> That's back before I had a cell phone up. <laughs> like, you know, right, right. Uh, then maybe is probably the sickest song of the album. It's just a minute and a half of instrumental before we yeah. get I, uh, I'm surprised that that's not something that you guys were reeled in on, but I think that that's sick. I mean, it really makes the song stand out, and it kind of separates the first half of the album from the second. But, you know, it's just you. I imagine you just kind of showcasing your skills before yeah. a real song starts. Well, I was really into, uh, I was really into, like, uh, guitar player, mainly, like, Andy Timmons from Dallas, the Dallas uh, McKinney area, I guess. Like, he's an amazing guitar player, and so... He, he, I kind of copped a lot of style from him, you know. I think that's during that time when I was kind of studying his style and just trying to sound like my favorite players, you know, and, and just play leads because I love playing leads, which ironically, I'm glad you brought that back up again because uh, I actually have an instrumental project right now. Uh, it's called uh, Gunfighter's Dilemma, and we've recorded an entire record, and it'll probably be released... So yeah, it's just a, it's a trio, bass, drum, guitar, and it's all instrumental shred guitar. So ten, 10 tracks of of what I've been up to guitar-wise for the past year and a half. And that was something to kind of get that release from you because I, mm-hmm. you know. I... Yeah, it's something I wanted to do. Like I wanted to do that back even when I was in Faction. I was like, I really just want to have an instrumental project where I can just go and play showy guitar kind of stuff. Uh, but then I got into producing and... I got wrapped up in the hinder world and producing other people. And then, you know, 10 years went by or more where I just, I kind of sat down the guitar. I didn't even play guitar for a long time. I mean, except for in the studio, but I wasn't actively, I guess at a higher level than I was ever able to back then. So maybe it's good. I never got the chance to, to do it because I feel like I came at it with um, much more focus and understanding of like, and intention on what I meant to do. Sure. And so writing the record was just a, it was a cakewalk, you know, just had no problem coming up with endless ideas for this record. So 
it's going to be 10, 10 tracks, all instrumental, different. Each one's kind of in different styles. You know, there's rock ones, there's kind of ballady blues with a little bit of jazzy kind of things here and there. And uh, then some, you know, insane kind of like chicken picking, <laughs> more, more, more like psychobilly, I would call it, like where it's just, you know, 90 miles an hour playing a thousand notes as many as you can kind of thing. Right. Uh, some ballads, some up tempos, some yeah. I mean, it's just it's pretty well rounded, dude. Well, I know that one of the main tours that Faction went on, of course, is with Hinder, the Girls Gone Wild tour. That was the first one, yeah. Um, funny, just to think about Girls Gone Wild, also Condoleezza Rice <laughs> dated, I know. but uh, but also just Girls Going Wild are them just lifting their shirts up. Uh, well, I mean, there was a whole lot more than that. <laughs> I'm just on. saying, like, those tapes, those tapes that they used to... There, there was a lot more than that, you know. I mean, gosh, dude, it was... It was wild. I mean, we were just... Everybody was running around just balls out, you know. It was like drinking and drugs and chicks and just anything you could think of probably happening <laughs> on that tour. Wow, okay. Um, it was wild. I mean, like, we would have, uh, at the end of the nights you know all the bands would get on stage and girls gone wild would be up there and we'd get a bunch of girls up there and they'd have i mean girls would just be doing whatever you could imagine we had kiddie pools and they're in there rolling around naked together and it just i mean it was just debauchery (laughs) (laughs) and this was hinder faction and adelita's way no it was hinder faction and revelation theory oh revelation theory Mm -hmm. who of course i know you know Yes. Do Randy Orton's theme song. I hear voices in my head. They counsel me. They understand. They talk to me. Those guys were awesome, though, man. I love those guys, man. We, I did a lot of partying with those guys. Is that the first time you met the guys in Hinder, which ultimately led to you currently being in Hinder? No, actually. Uh, I met Hinder, I think, for the first time in... Uh, I think it was 2004, 2005, like when, you know, when we were both baby bands, I think that they had just got signed and their, uh, their booking agent was like, uh, tied in with this promoter in Texas. So they would do a bunch of shows in the Texas kind of area, like, you know, Lubbock and Amarillo. Um, I think the first time I actually met them was at Amarillo in 2004 or 5 at the Midnight Rodeo we we would just kind of do shows together okay you know because we were both kind of newly signed bands and um, some of our management kind of knew the same people so we just kind of ended up running into each other along the way but so when we got the uh, but you know they came out of the gate and they came out stronger than us and they were already headlining and so they ended up headlining that tour and we hopped on it we were first of three yeah but i mean hinder of course had a huge hit single at the time and mm-hmm. uh so it makes sense but i just uh i didn't know if you guys had first met on that tour and then i know like you alluded to earlier you produced some of their albums even before being in the band right yeah but that was that was after all this like so after we toured with hinder a whole bunch through 2006 and 2007 but Faction ended up getting dropped in 2007, I believe. We'll be back after a quick break. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do, 
do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? You know I mean, yeah, yeah, we all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying, right? yeah, oh, I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying, oh, I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, me, we all artists, man. We go, you feel me? We gonna have this like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kai, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit right now. I got lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I got lie, don't play with it. Don't play with it. No. Take that shit And how much time had passed since the record came out before they dropped you? About a year. We got out on the road, and uh, Ryan started having a bunch of vocal problems, and. Uh, we ended up having to cancel shows, and you know, I just I don't think he was prepared. I don't think any of us were pre prepared for like how difficult it is to tour and uh, how much it takes out of you and how much it takes, you know. And sometimes you have to walk some lines, and I don't think we were doing that very well. And so Ryan got into a bunch of situations where he just couldn't sing, and you know, we had to cancel shows and. You know, I think at the end of the day, you know, Ron was just kind of like, you know, like, look, the label, we love the band, but, you know, that guy just doesn't have what it takes, you know, it's falling apart, man, it's not working. So, uh, and we were kind of crushed by that, and we immediately had a group of songs that we put together for Wind Up, and Wind Up came out to see us. Uh and you already South had that connection through. Yeah, and they were like ready to sign, but then after the showcase, you know, the showcase didn't go well. Oh. And they just were like, uh, never mind, you know. So What is it about you guys and showcases? You know, yeah, it seems like I don't know. <laughs> I just I think there was a lot of insecurity. Ryan was like insecure at the time and you know, I don't blame we're still good friends now. Sure. And anything, but you know, he, he was going through a rough time in his life and he just couldn't get it together. And so, you guys are super young at the time, yeah. right? In your twenties? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was probably around twenty seven by that point, you know, but they were younger than me. I was the old guy in the band again. Once again, I'm always the old guy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean we just, you know, we we would be great for like two weeks and then we'd be terrible, you know, and it just I don't know, I think it was just clear. Which kinda makes me sad because I think if we would have stuck with that lineup and really just you know, faction would have evolved into something. You know, really special and tight as well, and super professional. But we just, you know, it just didn't work. It wasn't in the cards, you know. Do you think maybe you just got signed too soon? Maybe you guys just weren't ready yet. I think so. Yeah, I just think we didn't, we didn't know what we were doing, and we didn't have the best advice either. Or if we did, we didn't listen to it. You know, <laughs> so maybe we just partied too much I don't know you know because we did you know? <laughs> we didn't hold back now <laughs> you know well you mentioned earlier that you it, know Ron, Ron Berman's giving you notes about how you look and stuff like that mm -hmm. but when you're making the album is he coming in and you know checking out the progress of the record does he have any input on what's going on with the actual recording yeah he did he, he came in uh, he came in for like a week and hung out in the studio you know and just kind of sat in a corner and observed you know just to make sure things were going well and uh, that was about it, though. He okay. was pretty hands off. After well, on the music, they were always kind of hands off on the music. They 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 love the music. Okay, good. Well, and, and they got Brett to kind of keep things in check too. They yeah, already have faith in you guys because they love them. That's why they signed you. So that makes mm -hmm. sense. What is something that you would do differently about making the faction record? I don't really know. You know, I think we made the best record we could at uh, at the time. You know, maybe we could have played some of the parts a little tighter here and there. You know, and uh, uh, 
other than that, though, man, I mean, we were all, I, I felt like as a, a team of five, we were all really happy with, you know, our, our debut record. It was, uh, it seemed like it had heart in the right spots and it was heavy. And uh, like I said, we were a little sloppy here and there, but we were doubling the shit out of all the guitars. You know, we had like, I was playing a guitar part in Dublin and Josh was playing a guitar part in Dublin. And we were just, you know, we were going for a big, big sound. So any of any of the sloppiness I hear when I listen to it, which has been a while since I listened to it, but I do notice that, you know, sometimes that it's a little loose here and there, but it, it kind of plays into what it is too. So I don't know that I would change that. That's one thing I always loved about Faction is that everyone played their parts, you know, there wasn't any like, oh, don't worry, I'll just play all the parts in the studio, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, that you know everyone participated and everybody's part was their part and that was it you know so it was a, it was a real band you know we and we wrote a lot of those songs together as a band you know just playing in a room together so pilot song pilot you know as that little interesting guitar part at the beginning that was actually a part that uh, brink came up with now brink was like <laughs> he was a he was a special guy like he he would come up with something on guitar that's really cool and we'd be like, oh, that's awesome, play that again. And he would play it totally differently. And we'd be like, no, 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 that's, give me that. That's not how you played it. But we just kind of steal the idea, but you had to, you had to grab it really quick from Brain. He came up with that guitar part for Pilot and then immediately tried to play it different, but we, we, we manhandled. And you know, we, we did a lot of writing acoustically and organically too. We'd just sit around in the you know, in the living room around the kitchen island and play acoustics and come up with songs that way, you know, and then transfer them into like rock songs sometimes. Well, this is the 15th year anniversary. Time to get the band back together for celebration, put out another record. You know, we, uh, we, we talked about doing a reunion. We actually got together a couple years back in Dallas. And unfortunately, it was right after uh, Brink died. He passed away. Unfortunately, I think, man, he was only... 34 or 36 I mean that's so sad but uh, right after that it was like man I can't believe we missed the opportunity because he was the one that was you know you know the most aggressive and being like guys let's do you know let's get back together and, and do this and we were going to get back together with Ryan you know the original singer and uh, and do a show and release some new music because we have some songs that are unreleased and we've written some together since then uh, but the timing just didn't work out right around then and we, you know we keep talking about it so I feel like it'll happen at some point you know at some point we will get together the four of us and uh, maybe get another bass player and release uh, some new music like I said we, we have it it's, it's just sitting there you know and every time we get together we can't help but write new music it just happens and uh, just gotta have the stars aligned just right for it what is your fondest memory of making the record? Um, yeah, just just being there with those dudes, like, and, and being in the studio every day. You know, we were in Orlando. We were away from home for a long period of time, and it was uh, it just so much fun. You know, we had, like, a we had a big dry erase board where we'd, like, mark off parts, you know, for the songs, and it was just fun seeing that thing chipped in. And, you know, it was so many laughs, and... You know, we watched a lot of movies and played video games and just had fun. I mean, we smoked like insane amounts of weed. You know, it's like 
and I'm not even really much of a pie head, but <laughs> I remember that like I'm I'm more of a drinker myself, and I I don't even think I remember drinking very much during that record. Like I think literally all we did was just we would go into the studio every day, get high as fuck, and record music, and it was just a kind of special little safe safe place, you know. And it was also really inspiring just because. And we just got a record deal and we're recording our record, you know what I mean? So it, it was, that was magical. I, I, really happy time in my life. Yo, thanks so much to Marshall for taking the time out of rocking out across this country of the United States of America, as well as other countries, but I saw him in America, with the band Hinder, who are on tour constantly, probably right now, no matter what time you're listening to this, so definitely go check them out, say what's up to them, sing this song that's playing in the background to them, see how he reacts to it, and look out for that Gunslinger's Dilemma album, which sounds like... You know, Back to the Future 3? Sounds like the soundtrack to it. In the meantime, my name is Ryan Rainbow. Be sure to check out all of the episodes of the Meet Meet podcast in the back catalog, in the future catalog, on the Patreon with the new miniseries, The Living with a Pod Complex Trust Kill Records spinoff. And isn't that fun? Patreon.com slash meet me pod leave a five-star review on apple and uh you know just be nice to each other man it's about to be the holiday season and i'm trying to get cards from everybody my name is ryan rainbow this is meet me and yes that's the best that i could come up with bye <laughs>